tap it in. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. I got myself, Ben, Josh, Tyler, and Kenny Oneput kicking it with you today. Two big events to cover from this past week, the Zurich Classic, and then the first ever Big Players Only Challenger event. Props to Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay. Played amazing golf at the Zurich Classic, but nobody played better golf than Kenny Oneput this weekend, taking down our first challenger. Props to him. We'll keep it rolling. If anyone else wants to challenge someone on the pod, hit us up on Instagram at BigPlayersOnlyPod. This week coming up, we have the Mexico Open in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Should be a lot of fun. Lots of local players. Big on the South American events outside the U.S. Should be a good field. Thanks for being here. Let's have a great episode. All right, wrapping up a pretty good week here at the Zurich Classic down in the Bayou, TPC, Louisiana. Patrick Cantley and Xander Schauffele, I mean, they just tore it up this week. 59 and 60 in the four-ball formats on Thursday and Saturday. Kind of hold it together on Sunday. They weren't playing their best golf, but uh, what did you guys see this week? Lots of really good partnerships. Yeah, before we get too far into this, I think Tippy's got to go on the record and make an apology <laughs> here. I, yeah, first thing, got to come right out and say Meteoric. it. I'm, I'm sorry, Meteoric. Mr. Patrick Cantlay, Mr. Patty C. I got to come up with a nickname for the you. The good Patrick. The good Patrick. Um, I, I, I said how you had fallen off. Clearly, I was wrong. Maybe you just needed the help of another good golfer to get oh, you to the top. So that's I, need, a half I need to see it again. I'm not sold yet. He was in a playoff last week. I'm yep. not sold yet. <laughs> Three's a pattern. Two's a, a second place yeah. and a first place after Tyler uh, coined him the meteoric fall of no, the tour. I, I think I gotta I gotta eat my words there. It's like I think Cantlay's back. He just had a minor blip to start the season, but just how dominant their performance was this week. Hats off to Cantlay. I'm kind of wondering, like, what alternative statistic did Ken see and Patrick Cantlay? Was it it wasn't bunker saves? What did you see in him for this uh, meteoric rise? That just looks most like his uh, sponsor, Goldman Sachs. We talked about. <laughs> I don't know. Big I he's definitely got some derivative. He's going to sell you after. That was all. I mean, obviously, Heritage. That was all past performance. So maybe he just needed a course that he was really comfortable at to get him kind of rolling again. Yeah, not to mention these guys have played together quite a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. they were a wrecking ball at this past Ryder Cup. I think they played together at the President's Cup before that. Really comfortable pairing guys that have a pretty similar game, I would say. So I think they're just right at home out there playing with each other. Like, it's funny to me, too. It's like I just look at these two guys, and they're they're all buddy-buddy on the course. It's like, I just don't see it. It's like I like we were just saying, you look at Cantley, like he'd be a guy working at Goldman's, and you see Xander. It's like, he looks like a pretty cool dude. And it's like... They're just the perfect pairing for whatever reason when they get together and play. And one that, like, I know you didn't overlook them. None of us did because they were, like, top two on the favorites. But, like, man, like, their games just complement each other so well because I heard it on the broadcast. Like, both these guys don't do anything bad. And, I mean, we're looking at – when we're looking at the pairings, we're trying to find maybe a guy who drives the ball really well and then his partner's a really good wedge player so they can take advantage of it. Well, these guys just do everything well. Yeah, and they just – they were pouring in putts a couple of the days that really just, like – helps uh, save a bad shot when you can make a 25-footer for par or birdie or whatever. So they they definitely helped out the uh, putting statistics there and, and kind of led their way to victory. Yeah, I was going to say, so after after the first round, so Cantlay and Shoffley shoot 60 in the first round or 59. They, shoot, they shot 59 in the first round, so they were 12 yeah, under. Yeah. And then someone, another grouping that was really high on the list was uh, Robert Garrigus and Tommy Two Gloves Ganey. Some some names you might recognize, but then definitely nobody on nobody's radar, right? So they shoot 11 under. They're just like a shot back. 
and then they shoot 78 in yeah. alternate shot. Well, like, Robert Garrigus is the number one golfer in the world. Live golf. He's you know, live golf's like, poster first, child. First guy signing it. But yeah, it's just a testament to like, like we talked about how like alternate shot is just like, it, it makes us turn over in our sleep because it's just, I can't imagine letting your partner down like that. And then you see these guys go out and these are two like pro, pre, you know, used to be really good tour players and they go out and shoot 78 alternate shot. It's just like, it's so hard. Yeah, it's such a stark contrast. Like the the best ball, you're just out there firing at pins, making birdies, alternate shot. I mean, you got to rely on every part of your game. And you know, case in point, Morikawa and Hovland came in came into this tournament so hyped up of like two top five players in the world. They're just going to clean up with this, but they're not a great alternate shot duo because yeah, they might be two of the best ball strikers in the world, but their short game lets them down time and time again. I think we saw that a lot in the alternate shot format. I think the two of them just need to hop into a van and go out to the Grand Canyon. Maybe just snap. <laughs> yeah, they need a little vibe. They need to yeah. find some music that they like together. Yeah, Vic and uh, Vic and Colin kind of, uh, you know, petered off a little bit. They started super hot on the first couple of days, but, you know. Yeah, like that four ball, man. When they can play their own balls in, these guys can shoot eight to 12 under pretty much every single round. But you're right. As soon as, like, the tough gets going and alternate shot, it's just they don't have, they don't have that backbone to rely on. And then another player that we've seen glimpses of like he doesn't hit the ball that well off the tee is Cam Smith. And that just, I mean, I know that Cam and Leash played pretty good this week, but I saw Cam hit some drives that were just unbelievably bad. Yeah, they were the one of the featured groups early in the week when I was watching it. And and the, him and his partner, Leishman, were just driving the ball all over creation. And they were still somehow making some birdies and pars, but they like you have to drive the ball well to, to put yourself in contention. All over creation? Is that a saying? I just made it up. Who knows? <laughs> I was pretty excited to see some, uh, you know, there were some really good groupings, though. What was it? Who was Sam Ryder playing with? Burns. Yeah. No, Burns and Billy. That was oh, a good Burns one. And Billy, yeah, Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember who Sam Ryder was playing with. There's just some really fun names to see creep, creep up that leaderboard, too. Especially, like, these are the guys that you don't see, like, winning week in and week out, but have really, oh, he's playing with Doc Redman, right? These are guys mm-hmm. that are, like, yeah, young yeah. and upcoming, and they just have, like, really well-rounded games, so they played really well in this format. But then, right, you see guys that kind of bomb and gouge the course, like Vic and and uh, Morikawa, and they just can't get the job done. Even though Doc Redman sounds like he's 95 years Isn't old. Isn't that a great name? I know, I love he's it. He's a really solid he's, golfer. He's climbing too. up my list of golfers I'm, I'm looking out for. So do you guys, like, think, we've talked a lot about, like, having more alternate formats, and obviously everyone wants more of it, but I, I think, like, what has to happen for more events like this to happen? Do we want to see, what's the right number per year? Should we see three or four of these a year, or three or four alternate formats a year? Or is it just, it's really just the one, right? Well, so you got a, like a major a month during peak season, yeah. right, for the next four months. But then you got, and you got like another event every month that's probably like, you know, has some good history and then has a good field. But I, I would love to see like one of these things a month. I, don't, yeah. I think they could definitely pu- push it through. Well, and there's a huge opportunity for this format but with pga member lpga exactly. member to team yeah. up and oh, yeah. I, why that hasn't happened yet i think we I, see I, it next year i think that's honestly. dictated a lot by the pga tour and what they're trying to do but like there's there's such a a great opportunity in the in golf right now to have that uh male female partnership and and go out and play when i was watching like on i was just i don't know i had it on on sunday i was watching a few hours and like just seeing like minus 31 on the on my so tv cool. was just like a really cool like even that just the novelty of it was just was exciting to me like it was just different yeah and it, it's such an interesting dynamic like one day you're watching the best ball where you know like we said it's just you're going at the pins you're trying to make as many birdies next day it's like a whole different viewing experience while t- watching alternate shot because yeah. it's just constantly you know you're you're watching for the oh man sorry bud like i really messed that one up you're gonna have to pick me up again here and and just kind of the the group dynamics of that format is really fascinating i thought it was pretty funny to see canley and shoffley come down 18 now like 
you know, when you have a big lead in a tournament, you usually play it safe down 18, but then there's also like that additional weight on your shoulders of like not messing this up for your teammate. Cantley hits like like a seven wood or like pretty much like a three hybrid off the tee. And then Xander lays up to like 170 yards on a par four. Cantley hits it 20 yards short of the pin. Xander ship chips it up to like 20 feet short. And these guys, it was like, just get the ball in the hole. They make a six, but they couldn't have taken any more shots to get there. Yeah, we got to give a, a little bit of props here to uh, Horschel and Burns. I think they were making quite a charge on Sunday, mm-hmm. and they went for you know one of those par fours where you got to drive out of the water and came up, I don't know, yard Yeah, that short was a close one. And had to take a drop, but they, they were starting to put some pressure on that top group, which was, which was good to see because it kind of felt like a runaway there for a while. It was a little bit of a controversial drop, too, because the <laughs> ball, like, kind of, the way the camera angle was, you couldn't see if it hit, like, above the hazard and bounced back in, but then Billy was giving him the old Daniel Berger, like, believe I, me, I, I, I wouldn't lie. I'm not lying, I swear. <laughs> and then they asked, they asked Jason Day, like, the playing partner, to come over and, like, vouch. He's like, to be honest, I wasn't paying any attention to what you did there. If I'm going to give an opinion on it, I really am not positive that ball bounced in play, but I guess they just gave him the drop. I just don't understand how he could be so sure about it. It's <laughs> they like, can't, they can't the, see it. The thing is, let's get the TV in here. Let's get TV. The TV cameras are like, we can't see it either. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so Billy, the one who hit it, is like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's that whole Daniel Burger. I would not lie to you. <laughs> I would say my, my golf watching this year has probably doubled or tripled than what it used to be, and one of the big takeaways I have is just how – I don't know if important is the right word, but how like critical Billy is to the tour. He's like, so he's like a top 10 interesting player. Like the way he's animated out there. Like I just, he wasn't really on my radar that much before this year, but every time I watch him, I'm entertained and he's the kind of guy that can thrive in this kind of like alternate format thing. And, and what's his ranking right now? Um, Top 30, probably yeah, 20 I mean, to 30. He's been playing well. And yeah. I mean, he's, like you said, I mean, it's not just because you start watching it more. I, I think he's just kind of having this a is kind of his breakthrough this yeah, year yeah, yeah. and, and really a, a, a great figure to have on tour. He's got quite a personality. He's, he's awesome to watch on TV and everything. So if I'm not mistaken, I guess two things here. One, look at, we need to look into it, but I believe it was Billy's wife or something like that was a, was an alcoholic, and Billy took some time off the tour to help get things mm-hmm. like situated. Around. Like He's just actually a really great guy. And he came out this week, too, saying, I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to be a little fire yeah, on the course. With the master you, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You don't like it, man. That's not my problem. Kept like, I love that. He kept just like yelling at himself, yelling himself when he was like bidding it out. And him I now. think he's catching a lot of flack for it, but man, I think be nah, who I you are. I love yeah. it. He seems like an honest dude. Well, nice. Well then the other really awesome thing that happened this weekend was the first BPO challenger series event. Our good friend, Mickey challenged Ken. We thought have him he, on the pod. he thought he could beat him. Yeah, we should have him on the pod. We got to talk about this match. We should have had him here. Call him up. But uh, going into the match, I think that that Mickey was probably like a three to five shot favorite. Uh, oh. but, but but Kenny took him down. No, so, I mean I think Mickey's probably so, like a little bit, a little bit of a lower handicap. But Ken played his oh, he played his heart out. Ken but, played the mental game the whole the whole day. Ken <laughs> mentally Ken was, strong. was strong. A manipulator. Well, I mean I think it, I don't know. It's fun. Maybe we should, we're gonna we're probably gonna just keep doing this challenger series stuff. But I think it's it was like it was interesting for me. Um, to like get in the mindset of actually trying at golf, I guess. And not that I don't always try, I just kind of suck. But like, it was interesting to kind of go through the different stages of like the phases of how the whole day went. And I, I was like sitting there kind of racking my brain about like, 
okay, at what, what moments was I being serious and what moments was I kind of letting loose? So I don't know. You want to just get through that? Well, I love the dynamic that you're talking about because a lot of times we go out in a foursome and we'll yeah. play 2v2. You lose we'll, focus. We'll figure out the strokes, but it just feels like, I don't know. But then when Ken and Mickey were in their own little match and then we had a match on top of that, yeah. when you get to holes, yeah, like somewhere between like 11 and 15 and you're probably starting to like lose your focus, it felt like Kenny really locked in. And that's where he picked up strokes in the match, I'm actually. walking through it. I'm going to go through it. Ready? Yeah, okay, yeah, Here's my phases. Here's my phases. Well, it's, hold up. Before we start, who initiated this challenge? Was Mickey just talking a lot of shit and you had to defend your honor or what? Mickey thought I didn't own clubs. Mickey, I think Mickey started Mickey. the shit talking, but then Ken took it very personal and it turned into no, this no. blossoming. Mickey learned you found clubs. He's probably a dumpster. <laughs> also, if you're, Mickey, if you're listening right now, Mick, I love you. I know you're one of our avid listeners. Subscribe at BPO, whatever, uh, players only the Instagram. But, um, I don't know. I think like I, it, it's kind of like I wrote in here. It's like I was thinking about how to, how to think about it. And it's like, it's like ping pong. You don't know how someone is until you literally hit the first shot. Right. And then you know within like a minute, you know, it, it, with anything, right? So it's like you can kind of bicker back and forth about I'm better, I'm better. And, uh, you know, you have to get out there and play. But I think it was uh, we were talking one day after basketball and then he was like, oh, I thought you like didn't even know how to play. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you go on this golf trip every those guys. Eight, well, maybe he saw a picture of, of you. Yeah, he might have saw a picture of you hitting a drive at one of the golf trips where you're aiming at the house to the left. <laughs> I, don't, I don't aim left anymore. I am straight now. Maybe, maybe a little was bit going straight. Maybe a little left. All right. So, but what's interesting is like maybe we can, we can test out these like, phases of i don't know how to describe it playing is playing actual serious golf with your friends like what you actually go through yeah let's go through them all right first phase first toll jitters you're kind of you know you're kind of walking around flexing a little bit you're on the you're on the first tee box oh, that first tee shot is all you just feel like it's so crucial to set a tone too. yeah you're just you're just kind of like you know how's how's the fit looking i got you know you got your beers in the bag get your club out get your you know get your glove on you're kind of just getting ready and you want the first shot to be like you don't want to top your first shot because that could ruin the whole day. Yeah. It could ruin the entire day. Yeah. Ken, I got to jump in here real quick before you get going too far. You skipped out on something that happens like <laughs> six hours before the tea time. You forget that you have to go to the driving range with your dad yes. at 830 in the morning <laughs> yes. before the round. Get 100 shots in just to feel nice and loose before you get there. I think oh, Saturday, so you were really serious about this. I mean, we're, we're going to the driving the, range. Saturday was Ken's day. I think okay. Saturday was the most golf balls I've ever hit in one day. It is funny. I felt like a tour player out there because like you're actually hitting like, you know, hit like 50, 70 balls. <laughs> that is balls, such a good comment. I you know, like, like, you know you're, you're kind of working on your game and like, you know, there was times I actually never really practiced golf, you know, and like I actually practiced shots. I And I was at the, I was playing later that day, and I was like, oh, I hit this shot this morning 10 times. Usually, it didn't help me that much, but it was actually good to practice. I remember we talked about that when Cantlay and Spieth went into the playoff at the RBC Heritage. We were talking yeah, about Yeah, let's relate this to real golfers. Well, would you rather Everyone's come off the course and go straight to a playoff, or would you rather have had an hour wait and hit the range? And you talk about yeah, hitting you know. shots you're going to hit that day, practice and helps. Spieth could go on the range and know he's going to hit three with seven iron in that playoff hole, and I think it ended up working for him. Yeah, I mean, compare me to Spieth all you want. That's you are fine. Spieth. You're our Jordan Spieth. So let's get in this. So whole one, one through three. How you feeling? All right. This is this is going to be in our like. Uh, this is kind of like in our how to plan a golf trip series or like how to play a match with your friend. Maybe would you like? This is more of our content on the side. This is an inside look into Ken's brain. Holes one through three is the a little too serious phase. You're kind of you're really looking at the other guy a lot. You know, you're looking back over your shoulder, trying to figure out you know what they're doing. You know, you're both kind of looking at each other like, okay, who's actually the better one off the bat? And I think like. I I was probably a little defensive thinking like, you know, I knew Mickey was probably a little bit better, but 
there was a little what was the short part three it was like 130 oh yards. the second hole. second hole yeah we were we were overthinking it so much like that was like one of my worst holes it's like it's 130 yards like what are we doing here but then like when you get to like the first couple greens too you're trying to figure out like what's the gimme range as well yeah, like what exactly. are they going to give me what am i going to give them well yeah. and like like you said ken i mean if you've never played with somebody before those first couple shots that first tee shot that first putt on the green i mean it's it sets the tone for the match. If they pipe one down the middle, I mean, immediately they're living in your head because, yeah. you know, you have to chase that. So it's it's a fascinating first couple holes of like, okay, what, like what, I went down like four strokes. Okay. I went down five, four or five strokes after the first three holes, I think. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I well, like, I too, but I think to, to counteract that too, I think you weren't, you didn't think you were playing that well, but I do think that Mickey was like, wow, Ken's like a little better than I thought. Like he didn't, I don't think he had very high expectations and you were like kind of, I think you made a par on the first hole, right? You hit it over the green and then mm-hmm. chipped up and made your putt. Yeah. It was a really, yeah. So I think that Kenny was, I think that Mickey was a little impressed as well. So I think, I think, uh, you know, once you get to the first phase, you're like, okay, we've kind of, you know, both done our standoff thing here. And then holes four through six is like someone clearly thinks they're better fate. I think Mickey yeah, like he, yeah, he, he's like I'm nursing a lead thought, right now. Definitely thought he was better, which he probably was, and he probably is in general. Well, actually, I'm not going to concede that because I won. But Mick was nursing the lead, and he was also nursing a bit of a hangover early on. So I don't know if that helped or hurt him. Because oh, the list he, of excuses. He played a little bit better early on before he really started zeroing in. Well, you could do a parallel uh, line to this of how much you're actually drinking that day. That this could also be another <laughs> like segment. a graph. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, Brooks says he blacks out between holes 5 through 12 in majors, you know. but Joke's on him. We actually did. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, like, during that phase, it's like, you know, uh, someone's opening the door for the other person. You know, someone's probably easing up a little bit and letting some strokes through. And, um, you know, that's kind of the that's kind of like the setting the stage for. All right. We got through the series part. Let's just have some fun before the turn phase, you know, and that that's probably like what our golf normally is the yeah. whole time for the most part you're warmed up you got a feel for the course feel for the guy you know where the match is at yeah. you're having some fun then, you, it, then yeah. you hit the turn yeah and it's 75 degrees and sunny outside so that you know that's kind of like you you settle into your music we were we were doing some good uh you know we had a lot of bluegrass kind of country southern you did have like two vi- two different vibes in the carts yeah we, we eventually switched over just to the bluegrass side and i think <laughs> I, I think everyone at one point is like hey you heard of this guy I, uh, this is all i've been listening to recently <laughs> hey, no, you, you, you should hear this guy this is this, this is the one i listen to all that, the time that'd be a good segment like favorite uh music vibes on the uh on the course we've been me and ben have been listening to a lot of like billy strings and like just any anything Here we go anything <laughs> well anything that's just like good vibes i mean stapleton's a go-to but he can get a little you know get a little serious sometimes Anyway, my first raffle was two four. Copyright. 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 Don't sue us. Whiskey Myers, you want to come on the pod anytime, Whiskey Myers, you're invited. So then you get to the turn, right? Then you're checking scorecards. Like, even though you kind of think you have an idea of like who's up what, like now you're actually putting pen to paper and counting them up. Yeah. And I ended up being, I I was up up one actually. You had a stroke lead. Which is a big turnaround. I think I thrived more in the let's have some fun uh, phase. Yeah, you got down early. You fought back good on that front nine. You say that though, but then Mick got a Bloody Mary at the turn. Yeah. He was feeling good yeah that was a bold move because they the clubhouse didn't have any food yeah, or, we didn't eat all or, day or ice they had Bloody no Mary's ice. and a snickers and to we be were fair, ready to go to be fair black rock if you're listening you know you're doing some renovations we're looking forward to seeing the final renovations but get a hot dog roller like what are we doing yeah, get a hot dog roller out there you, know, you gotta you gotta have a you know nothing better than a chicken salad sandwich you know you need that ken's ever the optimist though because he looks at a pack of crackers and he goes these could last you a while <laughs> yeah. hey, they did I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I had a pack of crackers, and Mickey had 
uh, a Snickers and a Bloody Mary. You, know, you never know. It's gonna. It, that's a big. You know, those are the cold big... Snickers too. Those are the best. Oh, right a little crunchy. Oh. All I know is that whatever Kenny did at turn, you got his got his first par on ten, right? Uh, second one, I think. Oh, no. uh, part one, I think. Yeah. I think I part, oh, you part one. one. Yeah, you yeah. part one. I said I had my first part, but you're right. Well. But I think the first was. I forgot about that. Yeah, if I get like three pars around, it's a big win for me. <laughs> well, it was a tough course too. The course was playing pretty tough, but yeah. So you kind of, I think you kind of turn on the jets here to start off the back nine too. Well, I think it's like uh, my next phase is good vibes. Still good still vibes. Aware, still, still aware of fun. the score phase. Yep. Holes ten through thirteen. You know, you're you're kind of like still coming off the you know come off the turn. You got a couple more drinks, got some food, you're hanging out, but you're still kind of like looking over your shoulder to make sure like the other guys, like you kind of want them to screw up a little bit, but you're not actively rooting against them, which will come yeah. in the future. <laughs> yeah, right. The, the amount of times that I was walking up to the tee box and I'm getting up there, I only see I'm the third guy going up there. And I look back and it's Ken's arm hanging in our car, trying to peek around, reading the scorecard. <laughs> I think it was every okay. time we got out. That's of the where you, you pretend like you're point. not into it, but you're, you know, you're. Logging every shot, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, oh, what am I calculating oh, everything yeah. out? Whatever, that, you know, whatever. That's man. a really important point, and that's another like we're, we're trying to relate this to broader things. I'm sure we've lost almost all of our listeners at this point, but I do think that who keeps the score in your group is an important thing. Usually, it's Tully for us. I mean, when I play, Tully I usually keeps kept it. score in like ten years. Yeah, I, I know because it's, it's I hate keeping score. I'm too lazy to do it. <laughs> but then we, but the person keeping the score can kind of like. You know, there's a little opportunity to fudge some numbers. You yeah. know, like <laughs> oh, so you're checking it, you're auditing the oh, scorecard every day. Just you okay. know, I thought you were saying the guy keeping score has a better feel on the match. But yeah. You're saying there's some it's, cheating going yeah. on. What, what I'm saying is there's like there's no cheating here. going on in our card. I'm, I'm saying he always. What, no, I'm saying not saying about this. I'm saying in general, the person keeping the score always has to ask the other person, and they have to pronounce it and say it to everyone what they had. The other person keeping it doesn't have to ask anyone else. So they can always uh, occasionally do the foot wedge or, uh, you know, not count the thing. I'm just saying. I remember that's why Tully keeps the score so much. <laughs> it just plays perfectly. We should look into this. Game. Actually, Tully can't keep score. Tully, we'll bring this up next week and see what your comments are. <laughs> yeah. So we get through whole 13. We're starting to get to the middle of the back nine. Yeah. You're, you're, this is you say. You say, all right, we're running out of time. All right, we're running out of time phase. I think that's like the... Um, you know, you're, you're, it's getting real. You gotta, it's moving day. You yep, know, it's Saturday. Yeah. You gotta, you know, and <laughs> in, in particular on this course, those are some tough holes for me. So I was like getting kind of nervous and the, you know, the, you start to see the end in sight, but you know, you still have time, but you're starting to, you're starting to get a little, a little more serious. Or are you starting to realize that you're looking in your cart and you got eight or nine beers left and they're kind of getting a little bit warmer now? And it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, right. like, we got to lock it in here. Yeah, yeah, shotgun time. We were trying to share some warm beers. It, it was, it went well in general, but they weren't, they weren't so cold. Um, Black Rock, we're going to get you an ice machine. Uh, we're going to <laughs> looking forward to renovations. Looking forward to renovations. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, you know that's the that's the kind of uh, make your make your move, and then whole sixteen through eighteen is you know try harder than you've ever tried before, I love phase, that. which is like really what I did. Um, you know, that's like the most serious golfer I think you're going to play is in three holes left, and you're tied with a friend of yours and for bragging rights, and you just want to go for it. Well, and it's got to be such a different game. I think like the last time you all played, Ken, I think you were even saying like I just lose focus. Yeah, and I, I do. Don't I concentrate. do lose focus. And I make a lot of mistakes because of that. Well, when you're locked into this duel, yeah. you know you're you're focused on every shot, and it, you know it's pretty amazing to to see how well you finish this out. So what what I think is interesting is like when I when I play golf, usually I, I view it hold hole by hole, and if I get like if I have like one really good hole or like four really four good holes, it's like I see the day through that lens. And when you're playing in a match, it's like it's actually like you're trying to really. Like I played safer. I actually hit it out of the. Tr I like poked it out of the trees a couple times. Like Ben was coaching me up. Like, 
don't go for the green. Like actually, right? Poke you're, it out. you're worried more about like, a little bit more about play. strategy. How you're supposed like, to play golf? You take oh. the big number out of play, and you you focus yeah, on bogey. I, I didn't know I was allowed to coach my partner. <laughs> well, I, we were also playing a match play <laughs> against you. You also, yeah, the, me and Ben won the other. The bigger one match was match play, but I really like that Kenny and Mick played stroke play because you're right. Like. You know, in match play, it's kind of like if you lose the hole, you lose the hole, whatever. You made it eight. You can go for it. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're playing stroke play, you kind of think your way around the course a little bit more. Every stroke counts. I think it was a really good format for you guys. Yeah, it was fun. And I think, um, you know, in the end of the day, 18 could be its own phase. But I think, like, it it was really fun to come down the stretch and it worked out that we were, like, basically tied. And, like, that easily couldn't have not happened. Our match, the group match and Kenny's match is really close. And then, Ken, I I mean, I got to give it to you, man. Like, there's nothing, there's no better feeling than making like a like a three to four footer on the I last was pretty hole. happy. That's fine. Speaking about trying harder than you ever tried before, I've never seen someone back off of a three footer <laughs> so because they thought they had the wrong read. Well, oh, to be man. fair, I knew I was being filmed in a public forum. His hands are shaking in control on our Instagram story, and, and a poor Mickey doesn't even have social media. So he's like, "Wait, what? You're going to put me out there?" Yeah. If anyone um, were, if anyone followed along this past weekend, we had it on our story. So if you haven't yet, make sure you go follow us on the Big Players Only Pod Instagram. There's lots of updates for that stuff. And, and Mick, if you're still listening, I'm going to be able to pull a Conor McGregor here and call you out for the next match. I want you on my home turf at Glade Valley. Let's go. We're doing oh, Glade it. Valley. I don't know how things will go there. Mickey, Mickey's going to chip and putt better. I think Mickey might win that one. The people love me there. <laughs> Great. All right. That does it for this week. We'll be back in a second to talk about this upcoming week and the Mexico Open. All right, we're coming up on the Mexico Open in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, mi amigos. <laughs> Should be a lot of fun this week. It's, Aye, a, it's, Poppy. it's, a, it's a course we've never seen. It's a new event for the tour, but this event's been going on since like 1944. It's like the official like national championship of Mexico. So uh, lots of heritage here, new for the PGA Tour. Um, we don't have the craziest field this week, but we do have John Rahm. Even though he's a Spaniard, it feels very like representative of yeah, the event. I think that's why he's doing it. Yeah, I mean, it, you're going to see lots of names you don't know this week. I guess young young people on tour, but then lots of also like local golfers. So we might see like some you know Mexican natives up on top of the leaderboard that you never heard of before. Yeah, I think we saw that there's ten Mexican born players this week. It's which really is the sick. most ever in a PGA Tour event, which is actually pretty awesome. I mean, we talk about growing the game and we talk about different avenues of doing it and men and women and stuff like that. But having the PGA Tour spread their wings like this and go into like the Latino American Tour events and Make a big event down here in Mexico. It's it's really great to go to grow the game. Is this the only event in Mexico? Well, he, so yeah, there's one other one. The your boy won it. I don't know which Victor. one. Yeah, which which event? Mayakoba <laughs> or something? Yeah, Mayakoba. Yeah. Mexican okay. Invitational. Right. Yeah, I should know that. I should know that. <clears throat> so this is like an event that's kind of taking place of another event. So it's its first year on, on the schedule. Yeah, so it's filling a slot. I think there used to be a WGC, which is you know a, much, a very big deal, and then because of COVID, it got moved to Florida, and so yeah, there was okay. a, a yeah. vacant spot. And so it's really cool to see that they kept a tournament down here in Mexico. And you know, like we always talk about, growing the game is kind of at the forefront of what the PGA Tour is trying to do. Yeah, I remember I was listening to a podcast, actually, it was a golf.com with Colt Nost, and he had Carlos Ortiz on, who he's pretty good friends with. Um, but Carlos talking about, like, what impact someone like Lorena Ochoa, 
who was just an amazing golfer and had a crazy five to eight year run and then kind of retired early. But the kind of impact these people have on countries where golf is definitely not a predominant sport. So seeing the PGA Tour go here and then maybe seeing some of these young Mexican or even Hispanic and Spanish stars rise, you know, it's going to be great for the game. Yeah, I mean, Lorena Ochoa has the same, if not bigger impact on the game of golf in Mexico that like Tiger Woods has here Absolutely. in the States. I mean, it's just, you know, we, we talked about with Hideki Matsuyama winning the masters and there's so many cases like that. So to, so to see it come here in a different country and, and like Tippy said here, like 10 Mexican golfers there, it's, it's really cool to see and be interesting to see it play out throughout the week. And then like speaking of Hideki, like the number one amateur in the world right now, Nakajima, he's, he's uh Japanese born, right? So mm-hmm. like to be able to see it, we'd love we'd love to see I mean, we have a lot of young Hispanic players on tour, like Abe Anser and Carlos Ortiz. These guys are really rising up in the ranks. So gotta love it. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, it's unfortunate. It's not a great field. Rom's down here, which definitely I think I saw I mean, this might be the biggest favorite ever. Yeah. Like in a PGA tour event. I mean, John Rom's like only, only at top four to one guy. right now only or something top, yeah. crazy. Only top what fifteen you said? Only top fifteen guy. Yeah, yeah. I think Gary Woodland's game. second in the odds. I mean he's a good golfer, but to have Gary Woodland be second is like Yeah. Abe Anser, Tony Finau. Uh, there's not not a ton of big names. But there's a lot of a lot of those guys like I think you were saying we were talking about like it's a good opportunity for somebody that's never won before to just take that leap, right? And this could be it. But so, it's interesting about like what I was thinking about with Rom is like he's had this uh I don't know, he's had this he had this weird stage where he's been like the favorite in so many tournaments lately. And this one, he's the, he's the obvious favorite, but he was the favorite at the masters. He has like this year run where he's like the default favorite. It's kind of like, it's kind of running its course. I mean, th- obviously he should be the favorite this week, but it's a little, I don't know. It's like, he's like the man on top and it's starting to be, it's starting to feel a little redundant, isn't it? Well, it's, it's really interesting. I think I even saw yesterday. He's still the favorite at the PGA championship. Yeah, Everyone loves a couple, couple weeks, Everyone which is Ron. wild, but yeah. I, th- I mean, statistically, Scotty, he's hitting the, the ball favorite. well, and he just hasn't broken through yet. So I think it's like another Cantley thing on our hands. Yeah, yeah you kind of like talk about a small sample size, but then you look at John Rahm over the past two years, and it's not even yeah. a question. Even though Scotty's been really good over the past two years, John Rahm has absolutely dominated this game. And he got the one uh, one major pulled from him, basically, right? He was he got disqualified for COVID on Sunday, or the what, what was that? That was Aaron Palmer, I think, but he oh, won, he won yeah, the yeah, U.S. Yeah, Open, yeah, right? Yeah, so he's yeah. got a major, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Well, this course, let's talk about this course. So it's uh, it's in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. It's uh, They moved the river pretty much for this course, right, yeah. Kenny? Yeah, I mean, they plugged this course into basically a resort that was existing. It had a uh, Jack Nicklaus design, 18-hole course. Um, and honestly, I was not familiar with this. I don't, I'm not sure anyone here was super familiar with this course until now. But, um, it's, it's you know, it's interesting. It's well-positioned. You know, it's in Puerto Vallarta. It's right off the river. Um, it's kind of a lowland course with a lot of what kind of sand waste area. It's there's no topo change really. Oh, would, nice word! It's super flat. Yeah, you right? don't have to explain to- that. Is one that for short for topography? Topography change. I mean, it's <laughs> coming off the Masters, which you know we're used to seeing these big rolling hills. This is like as flat as flat can be. I mean, there's a lot of like um, a lot of like small lakes and ponds. It's it's you know I w- I would imagine if they played here in a week when it rained, it would be all underwater. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it seems like a it seems like a course where, um, you know, if you go in the water, if you go in that waste, you get in trouble. But it does. There's not a ton of trees. There's not a lot of opportunity to lose your ball unless you're going in the water. Yeah, I think it's definitely that typical resort style course down here in the Caribbean, meant to be very playable, where you can hit the ball, you know, kind of wayward off the tee and still be in in pretty good shape. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys fare this week. You know, one one of those tournaments where we have no past history to have any idea how it's yeah. going to play. Yeah. But I think I I read something. The tournament directors want it to be around like a 
a 18, 19 under kind of tournament. So a lot of a lot of scoring out there. So it'll be fascinating to watch. Wait, can we? Oh, go ahead. I saw something where they added like 250 yards to the course just to make it a little tougher for the players. And they also doubled the amount of bunkers yeah, that they I have on the course. It went from, I'll get the numbers wrong, like 52 to like 106 yeah. or something yeah. like that. So I'm yeah, very surprised that Burger dropped out of the field because this would have been an <laughs> easy <laughs> win. We do make fun number. of Ken for this, but I think a sand save percentage this week is going to be crucial. I mean, I think probably your average golfer could be, you know, in four rounds, they're going to be in eight to 10 bunkers, like right. even if they have a good ball striking week. But I think some of the, some of the, uh, this course has like those big sand, like some of the courses we play down in South Carolina have those big side waste areas, like yeah. you actually drive your cart through. There's a lot of these yeah. in that course too. And so, the, yeah, the water source from the river, There's we can see the picture here on the screen we're looking at. There's a couple big water sources that kind of line a couple holes, but you really can see that this is a course that you can kind of hit the ball a little, all over the place yeah, and still like, have plenty of good chance to make birdies. There's like 50 trees. I can't um, imagine the rough's very long. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking they're cutting this course probably very similar lengths. So what's, what's the world record that this course has? It's like the longest suspension golf yeah. bridge or something like that yeah. over the river. Yeah, just if you're listening, just Google the, you know, longest golf suspension bridge Vierta, right? It's, it's basically connects the two courses. So like they basically, they extended the resort where the Nicholas course was to make this kind of golf course bridge, which, which looks awesome. That would be like the number one thing to do. I think when yeah. you're, if you were there in the morning driving across the suspension bridge over the river, um, and then, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it holds the record. Also, so. this is an instance like where you think like the clubhouse is on the Nicholas course and yeah, then probably. this bridge takes you to the other course as it's kind of like almost like an outlier. That's pretty yeah. sick. And it was built in 2015. I don't know if it was finished on completely until a couple of years after this is a really new course. So, um, I don't know. I mean, we're, you know, I, I will, we'll be learning about this as we're watching it. So we are seeing quite a few new courses pop up and then I guess, I guess the really interesting thing about this course yeah. is that it's a Greg Norman. It's another Greg Norman. <laughs> yeah, you want to get into that? Yeah, yeah, I guess he's he's been in the news a lot, but this is I think in Austin they played a Greg Norman course and then another one here and I guess the guy designs really good golf courses. Uh does he also make a really good super league for golf? Because I got a lot of live golf. Maybe news. he's just really good at attaching his name to things that are gonna make <laughs> yeah, money. Great, Great marketer. Great. I wish when I well, I'm just maybe we'll just open this up and talk about it because like I I'm just really curious about the PGA's kind of contractual agreements with these courses. And if Greg Norman has some sort of, um, you know, does he have some sort of ownership stake in these? And if, if, you know, going down the line with this live golf thing is, is, are they going to pull events if they have a real big dispute? I mean, it's a big deal, I think. Well, I mean, it is interesting. I think that the PGA tour probably holds the power here because they could pretty much play anywhere they wanted, but then, because I mean, they pulled Trump's courses from Rota's. I mean, the RNA and the PGA did that. Um, but I also think that I don't, I don't, you know, as much as Greg Norman might try to be like altruistic at times, he's never going to say like, I don't want the PGA tour playing at my courses. Cause he just wants the money. Like he's just all in it for the money. But if PGA has a leverage, then he's got to be aware of that. I right? think he's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know what kind of the downstream effects of him creating this league. I'm not sure they go away from the, his courses. Cause they just, he's, he's definitely like not running the course and he's not really owning the course. He's just a part, probably a part owner designer, but uh, yeah, yeah like he just, out. he just attached his name to these designs or whatever, but you know, the, the schedule schedule's laid out well in advance so you know the the pga tour probably didn't know about all this or yeah, fully yeah. know about his involvement with live golf so you know they'll still have it at these courses but you know maybe that's something that changes a little more downstream yeah like in 23 do we see norman courses that's a great question yeah we see like nfl players get conduct detrimental to the team fines are we going to see norman getting conduct yeah. detrimental to the tour they're just going to start yanking everything from his courses yeah so let's talk a little bit about Live Golf and Greg Norman. I guess one funny thing I saw was that Greg Norman applied because he has won an Open Championship. He applied to play in the Open this year, and he has probably hasn't played in like five or ten years. 
and they couldn't have emailed back faster. They said no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so can we clarify that? You, you don't have lifetime? Yeah, I think the Masters is Masters? the only one you get lifetime, and the other one's really? somewhere between like yeah, I think 10 the, and 20 I think years. the RNA caps it at a certain age. Like once you hit 50, like you don't get that lifetime exemption or something like that. So he was like nowhere close to getting any sort of exemption. It's not like he's going to go out there and try and qualify to play in it. I swear this dude is just like starting to make a mockery of himself, like just trying to get headlines. <laughs> he, like, yeah, you're right. He's, he's literally, working, as, we're talking about no, it. Exactly. It's working. He has no interest in actually buying in this thing. He just wanted to apply for them to turn him down for him to be like, the RNA is just not a progressive. They're not inclusive. Like they just, they hate me. But the big kicker is he, he's guys are actually going to play like that is that that's the big story this week, right? Guys are actually going to play in, yeah, these, so in these events. I think the spokesperson for the Live Golf and that tour came out this week and said, "We can't disclose any names because of non-competes or whatever, but we have 15 of the top 100 players in the world signed up to play in the first event early June in London." And there's only going to be like 40 or 40 couple in that event. So, I mean, you're looking at, yeah, I mean, that's the big news of the week, right? Saudi League is like, they finally got their guys. They ha- they've had their schedule. It looks like it's going to happen. And, like, there's some good names that are floating around, like with Bubba Watson and Kevin Na and Robert Garrigus. <laughs> I'm Phil. not talking about Bubba. <laughs> Isn't Phil doing it? Phil, I mean, Phil, I think, I don't Phil know. Phil signed up to play. He, yeah. he asked He's his, he, yeah, he requested the exemption from the PGA Tour, which has to be done in advance. Like, W made a great point last week about how, Keep your eye out because the the deadline to get exemptions into this first event is really coming up soon. So do we have an do we have an official like list yet or no? They, no, the people be, they're being yeah, they're, not about I think they're the just really slow. Like the PGA Tour probably knows because those guys had to apply for exemption. Yeah, the Live Tour knows because obviously they would have applied to enter. But I I think it's just you know kept under lock and key. They gotta announce it soon because you gotta think they're gotta get a lot of their money from the fans coming to see it, and people aren't gonna buy tickets till they know who's yeah, playing. That's true. I mean, I especially if they're international. I mean, tournaments that are like if people are traveling, you're booking flights and hotels and things like that. You gotta play way in advance for that kind of stuff i think it's just kind of funny because like in my mind i've just like flipped this switch where now i'm just like kind of excited about it like i don't know the sports watching thing like i think that my my opinion was that in 10 years if this thing's successful the sports watching thing really will be just white noise and nobody will remember it and now we're like a month into it and i'm already forgetting about the sports watching well i mean there's so much intrigue with this like who are they going to get so at first they have this first tournament in london and let's say, not to keep drive-by in the guy, but like Robert Garrigus, he wins, he wins $5 million. Robert, you're invited to the pot. All these, all these other tour players are like, well, shit, if he won $4 million, I'm going to go play there because I can beat him in my sleep. And so, you know, I think it might just be kind of one of those snowball effects as pe- more people join, they're going to get better and better names and keep building up. You're going to wait to see like what the tour does to some of these lower name guys. Like, are they actually penalizing them? Or it was like, what's going to happen to these guys if the PJ Tour does nothing? Yeah, then you might see if some of the bigger names go. Yeah, I texted you guys when you said 15 of the top 100 are going to be in this thing, and I'm like, oh, number 86 to 100, how exciting. Like, that's a joke. <laughs> and then someone sent a list of who's 86 or 100. They're I'd actually be like, good. I'd, be, I'd like to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Well, I guess in other news this week, our Augusta National Women's Amateur Champion, the 16-year-old Anna Davis from California, uh, she'll be playing in her first LPGA Tour event at the Palos Verdes oh, Championship big. in Cali. I think that's really something we're looking for this week. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because she's, what, 16 years old, a sophomore in high school, to play in an LPGA event. When I heard that a couple weeks ago, I'm like, wow, that's got to be a big deal, right? Well, in the LPGA, apparently, it's <laughs> it's pretty commonplace to play at that young of an age. And I think, like, what, Lydia Ko won a... She was number one in the world at 17. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, I like, won a tournament or placed in the top five at 15 years old or something. But but still really cool to see Anna Davis kind of come out of nowhere 
win the Augusta National Women's Amateur, and she's going to tee it up this week. And I, I think I saw an interview where she's going to be uh, debuting some interesting bucket hats to kind of keep oh, that. I was just going to keep say, that going. Oh my this God, week. I was going to say that. Yeah, like she should definitely trademark that. That was the best. I know Colin can't be with us, but I think that when I watched the Augusta National Women's Amateur, man, like they just had so much style. It was just such a refreshing. And she was wearing like the unzip jacket and then the bucket hat. Like she but was putting. The bucket with the, hat is like a real thing you can latch it. You can I know. take her putting with that unzip jacket. I thought was just the most the funniest thing I'd seen in a long time because all these tour pros are always like so like you know like is it going to affect my stroke like what if I'm putting and it hits my arm or something like that and she's just nonchalant about it rather look good and play good you know yeah but you know this week is one of those examples where you know not not everybody knows much about the Mexico Open it's at a new course but this LPGA event is Palos Verdes I don't know that they've ever played an event here but it's one of those fascinating courses I think they've played it a lot on the college circuit but It'll be really interesting to watch this weekend. Yep, so we'll look out for Anna. We'll look out for the Mexico Open. That wraps it up for us today. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. Thanks for being here. We'll catch you next time.